Guys, we're back for another exciting episode of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play, and I almost didn't hit live because we were having such an awesome conversation, chatting about things that were happening on Twitter last night. It's fun to be able to have a guy on the show that you know only through 140-character conversations on Twitter, but tonight's guest is going to be a lot of fun, and we were talking for 15 minutes before we went live. I'm going to Scotland in a couple of weeks, and this guy pretty much look at his Twitter profile, and you can tell that he, he's been there and that he likes everything that happens in St. Andrews. So um, after we go live, I'm going to have to bend his ear a little bit about what's going on in the home of golf. But tonight's episode of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play, as always, is presented by Eat Sleep Golf. And we have a bunch of stuff to talk about. And I've, I've said this before, that I'm going to stop asking questions. Because the team over at Eat Sleep Golf provides so many good ones. But tonight, they submitted only 10, and I have 9 of my own. So take that, Scott. I'm going to ask some of my own questions tonight. Oh. We, ha- <laughs> we have Scott McLeod with us from Flagstick Golf. This is a brand that I've known online for a long, long time, and, and I, I'm excited that he got the chance to come on the show. And quite frankly, when I'm looking at the schedule and I'm thinking about shows that are upcoming, I'm like, who do we want to have on the show? We, we want PGA Tour players. We want LPGA Tour players. We want manufacturers. Yes, we want all of that. But this is different because this is a brand that lives in the digital marketing and the digital content space. So we're going to talk a lot about that tonight. But before I try to explain what this company is all about and what they talk about and what they blog about and what equipment they review, I'm going to welcome Scott McLeod from Flagstick Golf. Welcome to the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play. Thanks, Ricky. Finally, uh, glad to be able to get on here. I know we've tried a couple of times, a few stops and starts, but uh, finally I'm off the road at home and able to answer your questions, all of your questions. Awesome. Well, let's just get started because we got a whole bunch of them to go, and I'm just going to start at the top of the list. But tell me more. Give me an elevator pitch of what Flagstick is all about. Like, just pretend we just met for the first time, and I have no idea what you do. Tell me what it is in 140 characters or less, so to speak. All right. Well, uh, we started as a print magazine in 1996. Uh, my buddy and good friend Jeff Botter uh, got a print magazine going, a regional publication in Canada's national capital in Ottawa, and then we progressively taken it online and into sort of different other spheres. We have a lot of content partnerships, obviously flagstick.com, as you mentioned, very active on a social level. We also do some partnerships with the Golf Association of Ontario. We have a webpage, Ontario Golf News, with them, and uh, we also do a newsletter for them. And basically anything golf, and especially at a community level, which is really, really important to us. We don't always just grab for the top shelf. We kind of dig around and get to the uh, local stories too. Well, we're going to dig into that because there are about 3 million websites that do the easy stuff, like the Tiger Woods sneeze and the internet's going to break. So we'll talk a little bit about the content here in a few minutes. But before anything, let's just talk about the cool stuff section of your website. Like you go to your website and you're like, cool about us and contact us. And then I see cool stuff. I like cool stuff. What is the cool stuff section about on your website? Well, cool stuff is basically just a catch-all for all the other different things that might be there. I mean, you know, it, it's got a local map for uh, golf courses in the region, you know, weather. It's just kind of basic stuff that way. And then anything we want to insert in there, we do some special things like a junior golfer of the month, you know, so that sort of slides in there. We're basically supporting junior golfers, and they sort of submit a resume, a letter, what they, you know, are going to be doing in golf, and then we see if we can find some financial help for them as well. Um, just anything to support golf and uh, be part of the golf environment. It's not really about just money. It's a business, yes, but uh, we've been doing it for 22 years, and, and believe me, we just love being part of the golf community. That is really cool. And speaking of communities, 
you know, hint, hint, let's get you more <laughs> active in the Google Plus golf community because there's uh, 27,000 members there. And I'd love to share your content and your story with them. And, and to your point about the junior golf thing, so just last week we at Tiburon Golf Club had three um, uh, people from the first tee, Naples, out at our golf club. And two of the students from that are headed to Pebble Beach, and they're going to be playing in a tournament with some uh, Champions Tour players. And and it was cool just to be able to one hear their story, but then to watch these like literally these kids hit the hit the ball like they're hitting fifty six degree wedges as far as I hit my seven iron. So, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to tee it up with them, but it's cool to see that that you know the aspect of youth and the growth of the game from them and the brands like yourself are trying to promote that. So that's really cool that you're doing that. Now, it wouldn't be an episode of the hashtag Wednesday Match Play without about 16 questions from Eat Sleep Golf. And the first one, and I had no idea there was a magazine behind this. So this is a good one. So you publish a great golf magazine distributed across Canada. Give us an overview of that and what, what kind of distribution channels do you have and, and where can we get a copy of the latest edition? Well, the print side of things is really more of a regional. So it's, it's more in Ontario and parts of Quebec. We distribute it free to golf courses, uh, different outlets, driving ranges, so forth in the area, supported all by advertising. Uh, and really, we have a small team that puts that together. And we've done different things with the golf pros of the region where we've done stroke saver issues. We've done uh, women's issues, travel issues, all sorts of different things. And then that from there really expanded to the website. And now our website reach our audience basically replicates all of Canada. We have readers and, and uh, listeners all across the country, and mostly Canadian. I mean, that is our primary market, although obviously we do touch on some subjects now and then that are uh, attractive to our uh, American counterparts. Now, is it a coincidence that the sponsor of the Hashtag Wednesday Match Play is a Canadian company, and you're a Canadian company, and you just happen to be on this show? I mean, is that a coincidence, or do we blame Twitter for that? <laughs> we'll blame Twitter for that, because we've certainly been active on there since uh, 2008, and uh, certainly Eat Sleep Golf has been something that uh, we've paid attention to right from the start, and uh, you know, I guess that's where we connected as well, and a lot of your other guests are, are Canadian guests as well. We, uh, yes, and a couple of those we're going to talk about this evening. So, now, I, I'm a blogger, and you obviously... And I'm not going to consider your site a blog, so to speak, but it feels like that. I mean, a lot of websites that produce the amount of content that you do, it kind of feels like a blog. There are 3 million other blogs, golf blogs, writing about the exact same thing. So how do you differentiate yourself from all the other guys? Well, I think the biggest thing is something you talked about earlier. We're not always talking about, you know, Tiger sneezing or, you know, arrest records or, you know, the sensational stuff. I mean, we really go and do profiles on local people, whether, you know, they could be the chef at a golf course, they could be the pro, um, they could be somebody that's significant from an, an administrative side of things and go and get their stories. And those are the really the root of the golf community more than anything and while it's great to uh, go and follow the PGA Tour and the LPGA Tour we'd rather have talked about you know that LPGA Tour players a Brooke Henderson for an example when she was eight and nine years old and found her story right from the start rather than waiting till everybody knew about them so Tiger Sneeze is he okay or is he sick I don't know uh, last time I checked I don't know I got to check Twitter <laughs> now Let's say that somebody is sitting at home wants to get the magazine. Now, you said that it's kind of a regional thing, but let's say somebody on the other side of the country or somebody in the United States wants to get that magazine. Do you do subscriptions? And if so, is there a cost associated with that? No, we don't do subscriptions, but uh, it's available online in a digital format. So you can go on there, and if you want to download it and put it on your tablet or whatever, you're free to do that. And again, there's there's no charge for that. We used to do subscriptions, but it was just uh, more onerous to do it than anything. So it was just as easy to share it digitally. And since it's free, just... People can have at it as far as the content is concerned. 
I just this week canceled my subscription to Golf Magazine, $10 a year. So, hey, watch out. That's an extra bottle of wine or something this weekend. But I, I canceled my golf subscription. So, Golf Magazine subscription. Now, it seems like everybody, in addition to writing a golf blog, is writing a golf kind of club and equipment review site. Like everybody's got an opinion on the latest golf ball or the latest driver or the, the wedges from Titleist or whatever. So do you guys do a lot of reviews? And if so, kind of what's that strategy like for you as, as Flagstick? Yeah, we do a fair amount as far as when we have time to do them. Our biggest thing is that we don't want it just to be a, a PR piece that's just put out. I mean, if it's if it's something that's just informational and we're saying here it's coming out, we don't consider that a review. Um, I, I've taken as long as 18 months to review a pair of shoes. One time I did an Echo pair of shoes, and they appreciated it in the end because, you know, I did hundreds and hundreds of golf holes. I, I shoveled snow with them on. I, I did all sorts of different things. And really, it was about the brand and the quality of the product rather than just, you know, that certain model that came out at a certain time. So uh, we do the same thing with our equipment. We sort of go through and find out what are the characteristics of a product and then sort of pass that on and let the reader decide, you know, what that's all about. So a lot of people are writing for the, the website and for the magazine. How many people write for you and how do you decide what content gets published? Is, is it up to the author or is there a, you know, a process that goes into place to where you oversee what gets published? Like, what's, that, what's that look like? Yeah, we have, we've got some regular columnists in different sections, uh, things like our rule book section, for an example. Um, that's a lot of it. That's up to them. But we'll sit in there and discuss kind of things that are maybe going on in the world or, and current topics and things like that. We've been fortunate to have uh, a level four rules official take care of that and another fellow that was a champions tour, well, the PGA Tour senior tour, I guess, PGA Tour champions uh, official do that for a while as well. And then travel, you know, we work with our, our uh, travel writers. I do some of that myself, but we have some other writers as well. They're seeking out different destinations. We get contacts all the time for different destinations and, you know, kind of work with the writers that way. But uh, mostly it's a core of, of two, three of us that really do most of the uh, writing. And then everything else is just uh, various freelancers. So that is a good segue to my next question. How many people officially work for Flagstick? And then overall, including those freelancers, how many people are involved? Uh, there's three full-time that uh, work for uh, Flagstick. Really two of us are really on the editorial side, myself and Joe McLean, and then Jeff Botter is our, our publisher. He takes care of sort of the business end of things. And then uh, among our freelancers, writers, contributors, there's probably another uh, eight to ten other people that are regular contributors as well. That's awesome. Well, in terms of needing, you know, a Southwest Florida, you know, stay and play article, I know a guy. Like, I can probably help you with that. <laughs> All right. So, we can tee something up there. How has the digital era changed? I mean, obviously, you talk about the print piece being regional versus being something that a guy in Colorado could subscribe to. How has the digital era changed the way that you, basically, from the start of the magazine and how you how you write the content and just the structure of how you transition from print piece moving more and more towards digital. Yeah, it's changed a lot basically on the pace. I mean, uh, if you're covering news type of items, obviously that, that goes a lot faster. When Back when we had the print days, I mean, you might have a news story that lies around for a month that, you know, that's not the case these days. We're publishing stuff instantly. Um, so the other side of it is that basically anything that we're doing in print, we're also pushing over to digital as soon as we can as well. Well, we can let those pieces sort of marinate a little bit longer. Um, but then on top of that, it really comes down to the promotion and that's really been the, uh, the other side of it. And that's why we've been so deeply involved with social uh, kind of right from the start more than, uh, well, a long, long time. Uh, I go all the way back to the rec sport golf days of 
bulletin boards back in 1982 and 83. I'm maybe giving away my age there a little bit, but uh, social has always been a great aspect for us uh, from a digital side. It's been great. Hey, hang on. We have a bulletin board at Tiburon. So, I mean, it, it works. Like, I'm sorry, but we print off a flyer that we email to you and we put on a TV outside of the marketing office. But the print flyers that are put on the bulletin board, those, those speak volumes. So you have a profile section on your website. One, I want to learn more about those and how somebody gets featured into a profile. And yeah, Lisa Longball. And we haven't talked about her in a couple of weeks, but she was on this show not long ago. So first off, do you know Lisa? Talk about the profile and just kind of explain that whole thing in, again, 140 characters or less. You're not very good at that, by the way, because the last oh. time I said that, you said like 3,000 characters. Totally <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, profiles, basically, we just have a massive list that we, we form at the start of the year. We go through and put some names down there and then sort of sort through it and see what's sort of interesting and timely. Uh, Lisa and I became friends in 2008. We uh, golfed together at the PGA show in Orlando, uh, and we've been fast friends since then. She's almost like a, a sister to me, and uh, we, we talk all the time and uh, get to play golf only once a year, normally at the PGA show, but we always get together and uh, I'm usually needing a lot of sleep after that because, she, as you know, she's very high energy and uh, running around all over the place doing her thing. And uh, I find it entertaining. And she's just she's just great fun. She's a great lady, and uh, you know she certainly uh, attracts a lot of attention with her enthusiasm for golf. So, do you play the same course when you're in Orlando, or do you switch it up every year? No, it varies a lot. Um, sometimes there's uh, manufacturer outings, obviously. We'll get to go to some of those. Um, my good friends from Acra Golf Shafts, which are some guys that you should have on the show at some time, happen to be here in town in, in Kingston, and they put on a day uh, during the PJ show, and we usually get paired together for that one, and uh, it can be anywhere in Orlando. But uh, it was Orange Tree the last couple of years, which is a, a great public or sorry private golf club there uh, a very tight golf course but uh, one we enjoy immensely probably not that good for january golf swings for for canadians but oh well, well we'll live with it if if i can talk you into it next january i'm three hours away so swing down here we'll play tiburon i'll take you out and show you we have 36 holes at tiburon so i mean you might have to plan a couple of days but let's make sure you get down here and see it so the content in the website, is the website content the exact same as the print or is it different? Like kind of what's that strategy look like? I mean, you're eventually, I imagine, eventually going to get rid of the print maybe, but this, is the content the same? Well, we still have an audience for, for print. I don't think it's going to go away 100%. Uh, the content, almost everything that we do online ends up in the print magazine. We might have some other things that are in there, but I would say probably right now from a digital basis, we probably have three to four times uh, the amount of content online in a month that we do in, in the magazine. So we sort of pick some of the features out in the magazine and we sort of pick maybe 10 or 12 big news stories and put those in the, in print. Otherwise, everything resides on digital. Very cool. So there are a lot of golf courses in Canada. Troon only manages one of them, though. It's on the far west side, Sagebrush. But there are a lot of good courses near you. What's your favorite course in all of Canada? Wow. Uh, my favorite course probably in all of Canada would be Cabot Cliffs right now. I mean, uh, I was down there again in uh, October to play it. And of the 2,200 plus golf courses in Canada, it's certainly probably the most spectacular. And uh, I, I'm a sucker for uh, sort of that linksy feel. Uh, Cabot Lynx has a little bit more of a Lynx feel than Cabot Cliffs, but you just can't beat it as far as look is concerned. And, and I'm a big fan of Capilano on the West Coast as well. 
never even heard of that. That's there's so many places up there that like when we got sagebrush, I was like, what is this? Like it looks awesome. Like it's in the middle of nowhere, right? And it just looks incredible. So I need to come up there and play some golf. I've only been to Canada once, and it was I actually six times, but in the same trip when we went to Niagara Falls. And every time we went across the border, they never asked to stamp my passport. And then the last time we're coming over the border, and I was like, no, stamp it. I'm not leaving <laughs> until you stamp my passport. I want to prove that I've been to Canada. Well, you're welcome anytime. Awesome. So you have a course profiles section on the website now, and I appreciate Scott throwing in the plug for Tiburon. How does a course get a profile and do you have to actually have played the course to get that profile and kind of what's that look like for facilities that are out there wanting to get some some visibility on your site yeah generally those are courses we've played we really don't like to write about things just much like equipment equipment we don't like to write about things that we haven't really experienced we see a lot of that online where people are just doing things whether it's travel or equipment and they'll just throw up a piece but um we're interactive with our readership and i mean especially on places like Twitter. So we get a lot of questions all the time. So we want to be authentic. So it's really comes down to golf courses that we want to, you know, we played, we've experienced, maybe there's changes in design or things of late. And, uh, you know, we've checked out and, and produced stuff that way. And, and really, like I said, it's very interactive. We don't just publish the articles, same with our travel. We want people to come back and talk to us about those, you know, those destinations, those golf courses. And we want to be able to, you know, be informed about them. Um, cough, cough, Tiburon, gold course, renovated last year. Cough, cough, black course, renovated this year. Just saying. LPGA Tour event, PGA Tour event, just saying. In case you wanted to feature right, your gold. I, I think we'll figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your website traffic look like? Like, I never know. Like, I hear some people say, oh, I got 400,000 hits last month. Or I got, hey, I got 13,000 hits last month. Like, when I started blogging, I said if one person reads one blog post, that's all I care about. Obviously, that's changed over the last nine years. But what's your website traffic look like, and is it growing? Is it is it stagnant? Like, kind of, what's that look like for you guys? Yeah, it's been growing constantly. I would say we average four to five thousand people a day that come to our site, so we're fairly busy. Um, we certainly see it growing. I mean, it's nice to be able to look online and look at those stats and see them going up. Uh, I, I would say our growth is probably fifty to sixty percent a year. I mean, it's it's fairly significant for us. And uh, yeah, we're pretty happy with it. And, and we're glad to welcome people, no matter if they're not from Canada or if they're from the States, wherever they're from. So it's all right. That's really cool. Now I work in the golf business and a lot of people watching do as well. What's your favorite perk of working in the golf business? Now I imagine things like free golf or free clubs, or I actually like teas. Like I, every time I play golf, I'm like, Oh, I need some teas. I don't need teas. I have a gallon of teas. I don't need teas, but it's fun. What's your favorite perk of working in the golf business? Oh, wow. Um, I'm a bit of an equipment geek. So it's not so much of getting the equipment, it's having the access and the insight to be able to sit down with designers and engineers and the people behind equipment. I mean, I'm just as happy to go to talk to somebody like Tomo Bystead at, at TaylorMade or Tom Stites when he, he was at Nike. I mean, that that's my perk. That's what I sort of get out of it. Uh, and it's not really just having the latest clubs or anything like that, even though that's a pretty good perk. I got the chance to that very point to play a golf course not long ago. It's actually owned by Larry Bird, and I played it with the course designer. And imagine standing on a tee, and you're thinking, wow, where do I hit it? And you can just look to your left and say, hey, where do I hit it? And he tells you because he designed the freaking golf course. So I can I can totally relate to that. Like, I, I personally could not care less about equipment, and I've been playing the same set of clubs for the longest time. Doc Griffin, who's been on this show and who is a good friend of mine and is a top 100 master club fitter, is getting ready to fit me for a new set of clubs. He's flying down here in September, and he's putting me in a set of alpha golf clubs. 
So I can I can starting to get to the point that I want to know more about why that club company over the next and how this club company is different, et cetera. So, but I, I can totally relate to that. And you named two names right there that I've never heard of. And I mean, to your point, let's get them on the show. I want them all on here. Well, I, I guess one of the biggest ones was a couple of years ago. I was having some problems with my wedges, but I just happened to be at the PGA show. And, and of course, Bob Vokey's around and he's available and he is Canadian. And uh, I was able to sort of ask him a, a question and follow up with Aaron Deal from, Deal from Titleist. And uh, they sort of sent me in the right direction. And that's a pretty cool perk. Not something I wouldn't have imagined when I was 15 or 16 years old to be able to ask the man who actually created the wedge you know, which one should I play and why should I play it? So that's and he's cool. a nice guy too. Bob is a fantastic gentleman. So that's, that's cool. That you got a chance to, how long did you talk to him and what did you ask him? Like, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, well, I've met Bob more than a few times. He just went into the Canadian golf hall of fame. I've interviewed him a few times, uh, had lots of chats and discussions. So that was just a particular one. I just presented the same question, the issue that I was having, you know, and he, he diagnosed it right away and he just said, you know, you've got too much bounce, you, you're too little bounce, you need a K grind, put this in your bag, you'll be a happy guy, get this amount of loft in there and, you know, he's just like a magician. Next thing you know, I was hitting golf shots that uh, I probably shouldn't have been able to hit, but uh, thanks to him, I, I was. So very, very lucky to be able to do that. That's cool. So I'm a blogger, as I've said. I Let's say I wanted a guest blog for you. Do you ever welcome guest bloggers and are you looking for people to write guest blog posts for the site? Yeah, we're not always actively looking, but I mean, if people approach us, I mean, we do a lot of partnerships. Uh, we've done some things lately with uh, Catherine Roberts, who does her, her yoga. Uh, we've done some different things with the local physiotherapy place. Uh, we've done a lot of different things with various golf pros and their content as well. So we're more than happy to do a lot of content partnerships. It really helps both sides uh, of the equation. And uh, yeah, I mean, as long as it's good content and we think our readers would be interested in it, we're, we're always willing and game. We're not looking for that, you know, that paid stuff that's, you know, basically garbage uh, embedded with all sorts of links and, and really doesn't do anything. Uh, we want some authentic stuff that people are really, you know, are really going to find, find interesting more than anything. So Catherine and I have become friends and she was in Scottsdale. I, I think she lives in Scottsdale more than she lives in yeah, Canada. Half, half the year, so yeah. We might be taking her from you, so unfortunately, but the stuff that she does with yoga for golfers and she's done a lot of stuff with Tim Mahoney and Troon and it's just, it's cool to like how small this golf world is, right? Like the, you come on the show and we know all these people and just, yeah, it's awesome. So the PGA <laughs> show, I went five years in a row and I haven't been in a couple of years and I, I live as close as I ever have to the Orange County Convention Center. But what's like your overall experience having gone to the PGA show and tell me a story that is so unique that you can't make up. Like what would be like your all time most random story of the PGA show? Oh, wow. Um, I've been to 25 of them. Holy uh, cow. They, I started going when I was 21. That is crazy. I, I got a few of them, but uh, I would say one of the funniest ones, the one time I was walking down the aisle, and there's a company called Mondetta that was out there at that time, and, and it was owned by this gentleman, and, and I happened to know who he was married to, but I didn't really, it really didn't dawn on me. And I was walking down the aisle, and there was this lady there, and she seemed to be looking around. I, I stopped and asked her for, you know, do you need help to where to go? And it was Paul Abdul, of all people. <laughs> and I just thought, all right, this is kind of bizarre, you know. But, you know, that's the way the golf industry is. You just never know, you know, everybody is a golfer or related to a golfer or something around golf. And uh, I just thought it was just kind of, you know, out, out of place, but it was just, it was funny, so. 
Well, there's a reason why they call it the greatest game ever played. So that right there is another tip of the cap to why it is just that. So you can advertise with Flagstick. What's that about? Who are some of your advertisers? How does a person sitting at home that maybe wants to get involved eat, sleep, golf, for example? Let's say they wanted to advertise with Flagstick. What's that, what's that process look like? Yeah, we've got a lot of options for uh, advertisers. I mean, obviously, there's a, the print option that's there, uh, you know, banner advertising, pop-ups, all sorts of different things that way. Uh, we also do a lot of sponsorships as well for our newsletters. We do three newsletters a week. The content comes from the website. So we have su supported sponsors uh, posts there uh, as far as banners and, and sponsored posts. And then we do uh, a couple newsletters a, a week as well for Ontario Golf News. So there's a lot of options for, for partnerships there. We do a lot of contesting and things as well. We're about to st uh, start another one, I guess, this week with uh, Levelware Golf uh, heading into the CP Women's Open. And we have a little contest there. But we have your Titleist, TaylorMades. We have lots of different brands that are involved with us. And uh, that's just because we're really grassroots more than anything. And, uh, you know, we really work with them to find out, you know, the most value for them um, and how they're going to, you know, prosper out of it. It's not a matter of us just sticking our hand out and saying, hey, we want you to advertise. So I'm a marketing guy. The first question, how many people are in your email database? Um, you'd have to ask my publisher that one. So that's not my side of the business. I, I'm the editor. Uh, I take care of the editorial content and put that things together. So uh, that would be up to him. And, and with our partnership with the Golf Association of Ontario, they have over 90,000 members and uh, we do their newsletter for them. So you can probably extrapolate some numbers from that. Okay, that's cool. So what's your travel schedule look like? You got a busy, busy uh, end of the summer, fall ahead of you? Well, I just got home off of, uh, I've been home four days of the last 24. I was down in uh, Prince Edward Island for a while. I uh, did have some family time down there, which was great. And then I just spent uh, the last seven days in South Carolina and North Carolina, including the PGA Championship. And then uh, this week I'm just home, and then next week I'm off to the uh, CP Women's Open up in Ottawa, where I'll be covering it media-wise, and I'll be doing a little caddying as well. So uh, no kidding. Yeah, it's a busy time. That's really cool. Who are you caddying for? I'm caddying for one of our Canadian national team members. Her name is Grace St. Germain. So. That's really that's a cool name. I dig that name. So outside of the amount of content, obviously, that you're producing, what's next? Like, what are you guys working on? Like, what's, what's, the, uh, what's Flagstick got coming down the pipeline? Well, we've got all the things we're always interested in. I mean, obviously, we're going to continue to push sort of on the, the digital side of things. We're involved with a little bit more video. Uh, we have some other partnerships that we're dealing with with some travel things. And uh, we also have another brand that we're involved in. It's a little bit of a, a clothing online uh, brand as well uh, called Crack Tea that uh, we're doing as well. So we've got all sorts of different things. And, you know, we're always thinking beyond just traditional advertising. And uh, yeah, that makes it that makes it all that more interesting and, and keeps us uh, moving forward. Now, I didn't tell you before we went live, we have like two minutes left, but before we jump to the back nine, like just, it flies by when you're having fun. And I got to know like your history with the game of golf. Like take us all the way back. Like how'd you get started and like where'd you go from golf is the greatest game ever played to where you are today with Flagstick? Um, I started at 10 years old and uh, I just got introduced to the game and had an interest in it. Uh, by the time I was 14, I was uh, working on a golf course, working on the uh, grounds crew. Uh, by the time I was uh, 18, I had transitioned to the pro shop. Uh, by 21, I had started a retail store with a partner. Um, all that same time, I was always involved in some writing and different things. 
uh, progress that onto the media side, and also uh, I'm a PGA of Canada member as well. So I sort of been involved with sort of every aspect. Uh, like I said, retail, on course, PGA member, coach, that sort of thing, uh, and then obviously the media aspect of it. So uh, my parents laugh and they call me sort of a renaissance man of golf uh, and it's just because I dabble in a little bit of everything so that's sort of the short thing it's a little bit of everything and I just love the game that's awesome well I can't thank you enough for coming on the show this half an hour literally flew by but before I let you go we have this segment called the back nine just nine fun random golf questions let's put flag stick to the side and focus on you and the game of golf you ready I'm ready what golf ball are you currently playing I am currently playing the Titleist Pro V1 not the X? Not the X. I'm experimenting with the X right now, but I've played a Pro V1 for a long, long time, and uh, we'll see if I make that transition. I can't. I need the ability around the greens, like 10, 12, 15 yards in, for it to hit, check, and stop. And the X hits, checks, stops, and rolls out. So well, the, new, I, the new one's a little bit better that way, but the Pro V1 is a little softer, and I like that yeah. stuff. Okay. Dig that. What is your home course? Where do you play all your golf? I play most of my golf when I'm home in a place called Garrison Golf and Curling Club. It is actually a military golf course, and I've played a whopping seven rounds there this year. So I, I'm the perfect member. <laughs> Pay that's your money. That's not many rounds. I don't know if you're counting, but that's not many rounds. <laughs> well, I played lots of rounds. I just don't happen to play them there. And uh, the fall is coming, so that'll be my golf season then. Now, I, I should change this from have you ever had an ace to how many aces have you had, but have you ever had one? I have a whole one, and I've witnessed, I think, about seven or eight. So it's, it's always painful. And actually, my publisher is the guy I've witnessed two of his, and I think he's no up to way. four now. And, uh, and they're pretty funny because one of them he didn't even see. He was jabbering with two other people in another fairway and didn't even see it go in the hole. So I hate him for that. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, uh, from what I understand, Canadians love hockey. Um, I don't know anything about it. I've been to a couple of, like, the Florida Everblades are here in a sterile. Oh, yeah. It's fun. I mean, it's cold, so I don't like to go to games. So, But who's your favorite hockey team? Uh, my favorite hockey team is the Calgary Flames, and uh, I've liked them since they are, were actually playing in Atlanta. And it was just because I had a little bit of a, uh, a family connection sort of uh, to one of the players, and that was about it. And got hooked on them in, I think, 1979, and I've been a fan since. And my second team is the Ottawa Senators, just because that's uh, where our offices are located. And, uh, yeah, they tend to be good guys, so. Now, you, you sounded like you knew the Everblades. Like, are you familiar with that team? I have no, I know nothing about them, and they're a mile well, down the road. Well, if you're a hockey fan, especially in a Canadian hockey fan, you know pretty much every league down to Division Three in Switzerland. Uh, it's just the way it is. And that's just because players come up through the system and go back down through the system, so you're always chasing and seeing where guys end up. So, yeah, uh, pretty much every team, we know it. That's just, that's just the way it is. So now this next question, and one of these days, someone's going to say the legend of Bagger Vance. They're not gonna, but I hope that that happens and I hope that they're serious, but I'm curious what your favorite golf movie is. And before you answer, knowing how much you love Scotland, Tommy's Honor just came in the mail from Netflix and I'm excited to watch it because I jump on a plane a week from Friday. I'm going to Scotland to play the old course. So that, that movie was basically written and produced and released because of the old course and the story of young and old Tom Morris. But what is your favorite golf movie? Uh, probably the greatest game ever played. I really like the Francis we met, the underdog story. Now his dad was Canadian, so that's maybe the connection that way. But I just like the historical aspect of it. 
And uh, I'm a big Caddyshack fan as well. I mean, collector edition. A friend got to play in the Pro-Am a few years ago with Michael O'Keefe, who was Danny Noonan. And uh, I slipped over for a few minutes to talk to him and helped him with his ball position a little bit. So just so I could brag to my friends that I gave a golf lesson to Danny Noonan. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, Caddyshack is 1B and 1A will go with greatest game ever played. So this is not one of the questions. Have you seen Tommy's Honor? Of course, yeah. Actually, I was able to get a little bit of a preview edition, which I watched twice before it came out. Uh, And I should give a little nod as well to the Seve movie. And I was fortunate to watch that uh, early on as well. And I really enjoyed that one. So that one's sort of creeping up my favorite. But Tommy's Honor, you'll definitely enjoy. Well, don't tell the team because we had some of their producers on this show earlier this year. And I said that during that show, I was like, oh, I'm going to go watch it this weekend. Eh, I didn't because it wasn't in theaters in Naples. So I didn't get the chance. But I'm going to watch it this week, this weekend, and I'm excited to see it. And I had to watch it before I go over there, right? I mean, I'm going to the home of golf, for goodness sake. I need to watch the story of the two people that made it what it is. Who is your favorite LPGA Tour player? And if you say Brooke Henderson, I know that it's because you're Canadian. Oh, favorite LPG. Wow, that is mm. – Brooke is obviously a personal favorite right now. Um, but, I mean, I guess growing up, uh, Nancy Lopez was always uh, somebody I admired, and I was able to meet her a few years back, and she was just as nice as I thought she would be. So, uh, you know, that's sort of my era. She's a little, a little ahead of me, but, uh, yeah, definitely uh, Nancy Lopez was somebody I really respected and, and watched. Good tie to the PGA show. I've met her once at the PGA show. That's exactly where I met her, too. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. There's a lot of great breweries popping up in Canada. I mean, obviously, there's a ton here in the U.S. Are there any good local craft breweries where you live? Yeah, we've got a really good one that's not far from a golf course as well. Uh, it's called McKinnon Brothers, and it's basically uh, three family members that have created a craft brewery at their um, – family farm that was over 200 years old and they didn't want to get in the farming business but they wanted to keep the farm alive uh so mckinnon brothers is there and and literally off the six t of the loyalist country club you could probably try to creep over the fence and be in their field in no time so i haven't done it yet but uh you never know it might happen now we've become quick friends here and you need to be real careful how you answer this next question well i know which one this is gonna be (laughs) i know you do (laughs) do you think Tiger breaks Jack's record. Why or why not? And be nice if you say no. All right. Um, my take is no, but not because of Tiger so much, but more because of the other players that are playing now and playing in the game. And, you know, you talk to more and more players now that, you know, Tiger, unfortunately, has become a historical figure for them. So there's not an intimidation factor, and there's so much talent coming in there. It just creates more competition uh, so that if he does come back, and I hope he does, and if he doesn't and just is healthy and enjoys his family, that's good by me. He doesn't owe us anything. He was an amazing player, and I have all the respect in the world for him. But if he does come back, you know, he's facing a lot of competition. And, you know, he may play well, but that just might prevent him from, from winning that uh, extra four majors. Now, let me preface this. If he comes back, if he's healthy, let's say he gets seven more years of healthy Tiger-esque quality play. Do you think that he could sniff a chance of breaking it then? Because I get it that he's not intimidating a Jordan Spieth or a Dustin Johnson, but I guarantee that if those guys are on the tee box on Sunday afternoon and Tiger is standing next to him, they're going to be thinking, wow, this guy's won 15 of these. Um, Now what do I do? Do you think he could, like if he's healthy? Yeah, if he was healthy and if he could recover even 80% of what his game was, I I would give him a chance, especially maybe at a place like Augusta National. Or St. Andrews, for that matter. Yeah, so 2020, look out. 
He's 100 to 1 odds to win the Masters. I don't know if you saw that. That came out this week. So he's not even said that he's coming back ever, let alone for Augusta. But he's 100 to 1 to win. I, I don't know. I just – I. He, it's a little self-serving because I've got a lot of Tiger stuff. And if he doesn't win and break that record, I've got a lot of stuff that just doubles as a paperweight. So I need him – I mean, a little bit I need him to break the record so I can retire is basically what I'm saying. So, right. Tiger, if you're watching, go out and win a couple of more majors. And your final question of your hashtag Wednesday match play is, what's next for Flagstick? I mean, it's awesome to get to meet you and talk to you and – and everybody at home is not going to be able to enjoy the conversation that I hope we have after about Scotland because that's kind of top of my radar. But what's next for Flagstick? I think it's just a continuation of what we started and sticking to the fact that, you know, it's really about the uh, golfers at the core that we really pay attention to. It's not always just about the, uh, the top level players. So I think we just continue that. We just do it in a more digital realm and we keep doing content that's, uh, you know, more modern and delivering it in different ways and always adapting. And that's what we've always done. And that's what we'll continue to do. That's awesome. Well, you keep doing that. I will keep following along, keep being active on Twitter because I enjoy your content there. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been awesome. And I'm excited to learn more about Scotland. So no offense to those watching at home, but we got to go. And as always on the hashtag Wednesday match plays, you have to remember to eat, sleep, golf. (laughs) 